Hello and welcome back to the True Crime Guys podcast. I'm Lauren. And I'm Michael. Super Bowl Sunday, people. That's when we're recording this. Um, you're right. listening to it most likely on Wednesday, so you know, already know who the champion is. The Chiefs, of course. Uh, of course. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but that being said, you going to any... Uh, well, it's it's tough with COVID, Super Bowl parties and stuff. I'm going to a little get-together, a few friends that I see regularly. Okay, so people you trust, right? People I trust, which I think is very important now. I've got a different perspective after studying this case. You because, should. Uh, the protagonist in this case poisoned just about everybody around them um, at all times. So <laughs> that's, it's, a, it's that weird to me that extreme. we get in cars with strangers and let them drive and put our our fate in their hands, and also that we yes. just accept food and drinks from strangers as well. Yes, Is lots it, of would times. Be just all too easy to to just slip something in that. Well, listen, in my past jobs, you know, I've been working at people's houses, people I don't know from anywhere else, right? And it's a very hot day, and they'll offer me a a bottle of water, and I'm like, yeah, I kind of do want that water, you know? But now, I don't know if I'm going to take that anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I think I need to uh, carry my arsenic testing kit with me. And uh, right, just see what see think, what's going on. I think on. if it's a bottled water, it's in, it's got a sealed cap or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's probably a lot safer than, you know, like hey, you want some lemonade? I just made it. Oh boy, I don't know. I just I don't know. I still get paranoid about that kind of stuff. Still, I'm like, there's needles, right? You can inject anything. Yeah, you could take oh, a yeah. needle and inject some arsenic in the back of a freaking Debbie little Debbie cake brownie or something, and then hand it to somebody, and nobody oh, no, unless they catch that tiny little hole. It's, I mean, and then to you, it's an unopened package. I'm being super paranoid. Like, no one's going to eat anything anymore packaged, which is good. That's my goal. Don't eat packaged food. It's garbage. It's garbage oh, yeah. even if there's no arsenic in it. Just generally don't do that, yeah. <laughs> it's just generally garbage. Stick to the outskirts of the grocery store. That old adage <laughs> That's is actually right. pretty legit. Stick to legit. the edges. Yeah. yeah. You stick to the edges, you'll do a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> but so, yeah, our, uh, our case this week is a woman who... Felt it was uh, a good idea to just basically poison everyone she knew, as we mentioned, uh, her Not family, even be- friends, uh, neighbors, just about be- everybody. Just a fucking standard practice on a daily basis, just poison yeah. everyone with with arsenic. That's right. I mean, you never know who you might hate in the future, so you just want to go ahead. <laughs> you just want to go start ahead and poison everybody. preemptively. You never know when, what they're going to nev- do that pisses you off. <laughs> right. Be like, and then every time someone offends you, you're just like, well, that doesn't really bother me I'm because so I've already I poisoned, poisoned your them. ass. Yeah, I'm so glad. <laughs> I'm so glad you're like halfway to death right now. What? Uh, nothing. <clears throat> yeah. Oh man. So, yeah, and, uh, we'll get into the motives and all that, and and explain how this we all went down. Out. But yeah, uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun one. We've done we've done cases where people have you know the Black Widow cases. I think we've yeah. done a couple of them. You know, like yep. uh, was it the Dorothy? Dorothy uh, Puente. Dor- yeah, yes. Dorothy Puente. Dorothy Puente. But, but she, she was a little more calculated. You know? I was about to there, say, a little more this calculated. This woman was just throwing out, throwing out fucking poison like Oprah throws out free shit. Yeah, you get some arsenic, and you get some arsenic, and you got yeah, poisoning. exactly. Yeah, yeah. but Dorothy Puente, yeah, she was a little more calculated, and she, she chose her victims more purposefully, it seemed. Yeah. People, she wasn't just poisoning people that she had nothing to benefit from. So yeah. the, uh, the motives in this case... Are what really makes this case interesting, which I'm sure yeah. we'll we'll get into some good discussions because I'm I'm interested to hear what you think as well. Yeah. So, all right, so yeah, let's let's uh, hear your intro and get into it. Let's do it. If you got a man in your life and he's taking too long, taking too 
long to die Just stay right by his side, make sure that he don't try To run sometimes it's anything but quick quick. When you feed him arsenic Nick. She looks like you, but hates everything you do You know it's true, after all you put her through She's the daughter you, the daughter you never knew So you made her sick, sick. when you fed her arsenic They're catching on to you Watching everything you do Coming to talk to you See what you've been up to Hospitality It's the least that you could do Now they're feeling sick, sick Drinking coffee with arsenic Nick. Oh, what's that, honey? Oh, the coffee tastes a little funny Oh, it's probably nothing It's just, it's just cause I use Splenda Probably You're probably just not used to the Splenda yeah, some people say it has that metallic taste. All right, we're going to go back to 1979. On September 19th, 46-year-old Audrey Marie Hilly on that day was rushing her 19-year-old daughter, Carol, to the University of Alabama, High, uh, Alabama Hospital in Birmingham. Her daughter, Carol, was very sick and had been for months. For the prior five months, she had suffered severe vomiting, stomach cramps, and a deteriorating nervous system and also paralysis in her legs. Wow, that is young so quite, to be having symptoms like that. This yes, is a big and red flag. She had been taken around from hospital to hospital by her mother, and they were having trouble diagnosing what was wrong with her. Yeah, imagine so, that. <clears throat> yeah. Audrey's husband had died four years earlier. Mm -hmm. She was now a widow who seemed to dote on her only daughter and had been in and out of hospitals with Carol, always staying bedside with her. Sounds familiar, right? Yeah, it does. It, it reminds me of, uh, what was the case we did not that long ago? Uh, sounds like a Munchausen by proxy case. It sounds like what? A little bit. Sounds like a, a Munchausen by proxy oh, case. Oh, yes, yes, yes. This sounds like, what was the lady who... Dee Dee Blanchard. Yes. Sounds a bit like that yes. one. Dee Dee Blanchard, was it Dee Dee Blanchard that poisoned her daughter? That was they made that documentary about her. Um, yeah, um, what, mommy, mommy dead mommy, and dearest. Yeah, one of those. Mommy dead it? and dearest. God, what was her name? Anyways, this is a lot like that case. A lot like that case yeah. where it's like, but for different reasons, right? It seemed like that mother wanted her daughter to stay there and depend on her. Gypsy Rose, Gypsy Rose. G yeah, it Gypsy just Rose Blanchard. Totally, just clicked in my brain. But yeah, Gypsy Rose, it was like her mom wanted her to, to be there and depend on her because she felt like she had no purpose without Gypsy. But then, but mm -hmm. this is, this is the different level here with Audrey. Yeah. <clears throat> this is something different. Yeah. So as Audrey took her daughter, Carol, to ho different hospitals, they were struggling to find the answer to what was plaguing her daughter. They thought it might be a virus. Um, and while at the hospital on the 19th of September, a plainclothes police officer showed up and asked to speak with Audrey in private. Uh -oh. Carol's medical bills had taken a toll on Audrey's finances, and the officer was there to serve an arrest warrant on Audrey for passing bad checks at a bank and a furniture store, and he ended up taking her to jail. So if you didn't know more detail about this story and you just saw this woman who, you know, had this sick daughter who ran up medical bills and stuff you would actually feel bad for you know Absolutely. it's like it's understandable trying to pass bad checks just to survive if you're a widow you lost your husband and now your daughter's sick and you can't afford the hospital bills and whatnot right 
Um, but, but but why do you? We know, uh, we know But better. if you're going through all this, why are you still trying to buy furniture? You know, that's <laughs> that's a good. Point. <laughs> I'm like, it seems like that'd be low down on the uh, yeah um, priority. Oh, list. absolutely, that's way down. New unless furniture. you're trying to buy like a hospital bed for your daughter or something. But I seriously yeah. doubt it. Right. So the next day, having not heard from her mother, so she left Carol in the hospital bed. She did go over and make up some sort of excuse saying she'd be back later. Um, but she was not back, and Carol hadn't heard from her mom, so she called her Aunt Frida and asked her to come down to the hospital to keep an eye on her. Frida, when she got there, she informed Carol of her mother's arrest, and it also had some news to share with the doctors at the hospital. She knew a little bit about what was going on with her sister-in-law. Right. Frida told them that Audrey had been moving Carol from hospital hospital to hospital before they could properly diagnose her. So she was bringing her daughter to the hospital. They would check her in, start looking at her, and then before they could really get to the bottom of what the problem was, her mom would check her out and, and leave. And then shortly thereafter, go to another hospital somewhere else and do the same thing over Right, and over. they were getting too close to something, I presume. <laughs> yeah, they were getting too close to finding the truth. Right. Um, Frida said that she had also witnessed Audrey giving Carol shots. The doctor then realized that he could ha- uh, he should have Carol tested for toxins rather than a virus because of her symptoms, now that he thought about it, were consistent with heavy metal poisoning and most commonly arsenic, which is something that's not standard practice for a hospital to just test for arsenic right away because right. the symptoms of arsenic poisoning are so similar to a virus or to the flu. Or hepatitis. Um, yeah, it's basically like stomach ache yes. and, and vomiting and, and whatnot. It's common, like, sick uh, symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, so arsenic routinely escapes detection, often being mistaken as food poisoning, the flu, um, due to their similar symptoms. Um, so now that they had reason to believe that maybe young Carol was poisoned, they decided to get nail and hair samples, and they sent them to the lab to be tested. And the tests were going to take weeks to get detailed results, though, because it was 1979 after all. But during that time, police received a letter, which would help them further their investigation. They get a letter from Audrey's brother saying that he believed that his sister had killed her husband four years earlier and was now poisoning her daughter, which is his niece. I wonder what took... So now they're getting more and more information regarding Audrey, who is now in police custody, luckily for them, over this bounce checks. I wonder what took so long for the family to speak up. You know, maybe maybe once she got arrested, they felt safe because she was behind bars or in police custody. So now they felt like they could talk without the fear of, well, of I her think poisoning maybe them. Also, <laughs> I also, I think if they had, maybe they had some slight suspicion as to her husband's death. Yes, and now this is like okay, this is the last. Yeah, this to talk. this is the confirmation. Yeah. Is like. Four years later, now her daughter's sick and in the hospital over and over again, and they're having trouble diagnosing it. And it's like, okay, now we need to speak up because, you know, this young girl is in danger. That's right. That's right. Okay. So a detective interviewed Carol at the hospital, um, and she said that her health problems began five months prior after moving out of her mother's house and into her own apartment. Mm-hmm. After moving into her apartment, her mother was almost over just about every day. She was helping her. She helped her move in initially, and then she was just there all the time, cooking meals for her, and basically acting as though she was like a roommate to her daughter. Right. Um, and so shortly after, you know, she moves into the apartment, and her mom's there all the time. That's when she starts falling ill. Um, she said that this began a series of stays at different hospitals, and on one occasion in September, her mother had given her injections and pills while she was in the hospital—a different one than she's in now. 
and that her mother told her that this would help her with her paralysis, but things only got worse following the injections and pills that her mother gave her. Oh, my God. And she told her not to tell hospital staff that she had given her these as well. So very bizarre. I mean, imagine being in Carol's situation. I think so many people have got to be like, how did you not know? Like, you're eating your mother's food, and you're getting sick, and or you're doing this, you get sick. But it's, it's your, your mom. mom. You just want to trust her. It's your fucking mom. If yep. you can't trust your mom. Same thing with, like, Dee Dee Blanchard and uh, Rose, yes. you know? It's like... If you can't, Rose finally finally got it, but it took so many years before she realized how badly she was being treated by her mom and manipulated. Right, you just wouldn't think that a mother would do that when you think about a mother's love for their for her children. It's like mm-hmm. they would do anything to protect their children, and then you have a select few who would go to this extent to yep. hurt them. I guess for some yep. reason. Yeah. So police are now getting. Um, information on multiple fronts that would lead them to believe that uh that she has something to do with this audrey audrey has something to do with right. this um, so they begin to dig into her past and that's where we'll begin audrey oh, here we go audrey's past here audrey marie frazier was born on june 4th 1933 in the blue mountain area of aniston alabama to lucille and huey frazier she shares a birthday with angelina jolie and russell brand wow pretty good pair there any thoughts yeah, that's Pretty a good, good pair. pair there. Yeah, I like Russell Brand. It's hard not to like him. He's a he's a he's a thinker, you know, and um, he's willing to hear multiple perspectives. He doesn't get heated like when people disagree. I like some of the um, discussions he's had with people on the opposite spectrum from him politically and whatnot. Yes. They're they fa- they stay very civil and they have a good conversation and and also he does jujitsu, so I like that as well. Yeah, I was about to say he's a very real, well-rounded person. Um, and you can tell that. Yeah. I know he's had a, a checkered past, like most people in the limelight. I mean, shit, that that mm. whole world chews people up and spits them out. So people to come out with a with an outlook like Russell Brand has and just his philosophies and whatnot. Sometimes he gets a little out there, but I do appreciate, oh, yeah. but I, like you said, he is a great debater, and he shows, he's a great example of how to debate people that you disagree with. Yeah. He really is. And exactly. I haven't heard much about Angelina Jolie in a while. I mean, I don't really know what she's up to no, nowadays. No, yeah. I don't really know. Yeah. So, After her and Brad Pitt broke up, it seemed like it just kind of, she fell off a little bit. Yeah, I don't blame her. That was a lot of damn spotlight right there. She couldn't do shit. You know? She's right. probably enjoying her life with all her damn kids now. Probably living the life she actually wants. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. She's, she's got too many kids now. That's like, how do you have time for right. to stay in the limelight when you got that going on? That's right. On? That's right. So, young Audrey enjoyed a normal childhood by all accounts. Not a whole lot about her childhood is out there, but a portrait did emerge of a person who was never satisfied and would do anything to get what she wants. Hmm. The more that the police learned about her, the more that this became true. She married Frank Hilly on May 8, 1951, which produced two children, Mike and Carol. Um, and these were like high school sweethearts. Her and Frank were together basically from the time they were teens. They were together for 24 years before his passing. Oh, wow. Um, As her kids were growing up, Audrey maintained an active social life. Despite Frank's well-paying job and Audrey's secretarial employment, the couple had little money set aside in savings due to Audrey's excessive spending habits, which led to friction in the marriage. Um, And unbeknownst to Frank, his wife was spending more than they earned combined and frequently engaged in sex with her bosses in in exchange for money. Mm. So here we go right now. We're already seeing the main motive here, and that's money. Greed. That's money money and greed. We've seen this. People who have a certain certain style of life, a certain lifestyle they're trying to upkeep, and they will do anything, anything to keep that damn, I don't know, that look, 
You know what I'm saying? That lifestyle, mm-hmm. that presentation. They got to keep that shit up. And that's what I first thought about her. But as we learn more, there's more than just the money, uh, the money initiative here. There's something else going on in her brain, right? I think I think I think her motive is almost entirely money, though. Well, why? Money and power, money, money and control. Like when it came to her family members, like her daughter, I think it was control. I was about to say her control is more to me because why would you poison people you can't get money from? Because we know that she poisoned plenty of people. Well, I'll t- we'll talk more about that. I think she, I think it was still money with her daughter, but we'll get into the details on on why it was dragging out. Okay. So she marries uh, Frank. They have two kids, and uh, they were together for 24 years. However, Frank began suffering from a mysterious illness in 1975, as did his son Mike. Although Mike's symptoms, which his doctors attributed to stomach flu, abruptly stopped when he moved away from his family's home to attend seminary. Wow. Imagine that. Uh, Just cleared right figure. up, didn't they? Yeah. I would have been like, is there mold in this house or something, you know? Like, what, <laughs> what is the, what is mom cooking right. with? Is she, she using rat poisoning as seasoning? What's going using on? Using Teflon here? and scraping the pan. What's going on here? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so one day after returning home due, uh, early due to illness, Frank walked in to find Audrey in bed with her boss. Mm. Despite being hurt and disgusted with his wife's infidelity, Frank did not feel he could do anything about the situation and turned to Mike. Uh, then an ordained minister living in Atlanta for advice. So he turns to his adult son, who's now working, um, you know, as an ordained minister. And in May of 1975, a short time after a visit from Mike, Frank visited his doctor complaining of nausea and tenderness in his abdomen. His doctor diagnosed him with a stomach, viral stomach ache. Um, The condition persisted, and Frank was admitted to a hospital for tests that indicated liver malfunction. Physicians then diagnosed him with infectious hepatitis. Yes, the symptoms. Which is not right. good. But the symptoms of this, of the poisoning of that he did have are very similar to hepatitis. Yes. That's the thing about arsenic Man. poisoning is just like it, doctors just assume it's one of a handful of other things, well, you know? I mean, like, oh, you got a virus. Oh, you you just got the stomach flu. Oh, you got hepatitis. But like you said, I mean, it, to, even to test for that in a lot of instances would be... I'm would, sure it's standard practice now. Like they go, they probably test for arsenic pretty quickly if you come in with something like that. And yeah, maybe, maybe I feel like most, especially if you're not responding to treatment, you know, that they give you. Yeah, that's a possibility. I just think most doctors would see it as offensive to even ask for that. It's like, well, you, no, I didn't put arsenic in my body. You know what I mean? And then the, the I wouldn't be offended. I'd be like, sure, test me. I, who what knows? you're insinuating, <laughs> right? But what you're insinuating. You have to think about it. You know what I mean? When you know who you lived with and whatnot, the doctor has to be careful. Not that you would, not that, you know, I know, understand that you wouldn't care or I wouldn't care, but I think from a doctor's standpoint with bedside manner and whatnot, trying to be a understanding physician, I don't think the first thing you you ask someone is, hey, maybe your mom's poisoning you, you know, or maybe your wife's poisoning you. Let's, Let's check for that. (laughs) <laughs> or what's your life insurance policy? Uh, what are the details right, on that? Exactly. Who's the beneficiary? Exactly. <laughs> their certain their hands are tied in a certain way. So I feel like people got frustrated when I was researching this case. People I've read comments and stuff, and people got frustrated. They're like, "Why did the doctors not test?" It's like well, you have to understand that would be insulting almost to these people to to suggest that. Don't you think? I, I suppose, but I think a doctor shouldn't shouldn't think like that. The medical system shouldn't think, you know, or I don't want to insult anybody. Well, they do, because if this they person's want your money. life is at stake, then test well, them. Well, they do. They don't want to insult you because they want your money. I mean, that's that's True. the reality of it. 
If you're there, they're getting your money anyway. That. And they want you to stay longer. So they're not going to insult you and want you to, and then you're going to change hospitals. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Well, doctors decided not to test him for arsenic poisoning, and Frank would die in the early morning of May 25th, 1975. And because of the suddenness of his death, an autopsy was performed with the uh, acquiescence of Audrey. The postmortem revealed hepatitis, swelling of the kidneys and lungs, bilateral pneumonia, and inflammation of the stomach. So, mm. I mean, it was it was just clear that the, the the man got sick to them, that he got really right. sick and and uh, had nothing to do with poisoning as far as they were concerned. Because of the symptoms closely resembled those of hepatitis, no tests for poison were conducted. The cause of death was listed as infectious hepatitis. And that was that I mean, for a while. And for 1975, that's not a bad diagnosis. I mean, right. everything kind of, you know, all the boxes are checked here for hepatitis. Yep. So. Yep. And so the police still digging into Audrey's background. They start seeing, following her husband's death, um, numerous police reports and insurance claims from 1977. Um, burglaries, fires, uh, all sorts of things being reported to the police by Audrey during this time. There's all these reports they can find. She had collected substantial insurance claims on her house, her daughter's car, and her husband's death. Frank's life insurance policy ended up paying her out $31,140, which is the equivalent of about $150,000 today. So, God. decent payout. Yeah, but to kill your husband for one hundred and fifty grand, or I mean, it's thirty grand, but it was the equivalent of one hundred and fifty grand. Right. Still, that's still that's still no money to take a life. But when you're um, Jesus, uh, when you're an addict for money and spending, it's like it's like a drug. You know, it's like you'll do anything for that next hit. But why wouldn't? Why wouldn't you just get a bigger life insurance policy, you know? <laughs> Pay on it a little bit longer. Maybe that's all she could get. Maybe, you know, Frank was looked yeah. at and he's an older guy. And this is the late 70s. The life expectancy was not as long for men back then. That's true. That's true. Or maybe if she wasn't poisoning him and having he'd having all these damn doctor's visits, it wouldn't run his damn insurance premium up. <laughs> <laughs> maybe if exactly. she would have waited to poison him afterwards. No, I don't know. I don't know those details. Yeah. But that's just funny. That's just not very much money, I guess, for a life insurance policy. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they're looking into everything, and they see all these insurance claims in the past, and this discovery prompts police to investigate the status of any life insurance policies that are currently on Audrey's daughter, Carol, You know, suspecting that now they're, she's poisoning her daughter to get a life insurance policy payout as well. Right. Um, they discovered after calling the insurance companies that there was a policy on Carol with Audrey as the beneficiary, but the policy had lapsed. Audrey, they said, had made several calls desperately trying to reinstate the policy, but her checks had bounced. Damn. So that's my my thing is um, you were saying, like, uh, you don't understand why she, she wasn't benefiting from her daughter's death financially. I think she was slowly poisoning her daughter and trying to keep her alive long enough until she got the policy reinstated, and then she was going to give her a big lethal dose oh, no, and finish no, no. her off. No, I understand that she was going to benefit from her daughter's death. I, I just met some other acquaintances, people who just visited her house that she poisoned. I know it was just one time, and this wouldn't kill someone. Arsenic poisoning one time wouldn't kill someone. But there were right. visitors to her house throughout this story that she poisons for apparently no reason. I, I yeah. don't... Other than just to have control or just to fuck with somebody, maybe... Just yeah, she was allegedly poisoning, like, neighborhood kids and shit. 
Yes, police officers Weird. that came and talked the police, to her. Yeah, the police that yeah. came to to take reports on the all these, you know, yes. things Those that she the, was calling the police about, the, the, the burglaries and et cetera. Correct. Those are the people I'm talking about, Lauren. Like, why why poison those people? I can't see the motive in that. It's not financial. Yeah. If if anything, it puts more of a red flag on you. It's almost no like maybe she's just being daring here. She's just getting brazen. Yeah. You know? I, I don't understand this. It certainly wasn't always financially motivated. I don't I No. I don't understand the mass poisoning of everyone around you. It's it's bizarre. Yeah. It's a it's a control factor or something maybe. Or maybe yeah. she felt like she was wronged by society or wasn't appreciated. I have no idea, but it's just it's a weird thing. It's a, it's everyone. sadistic. It's sadistic. You like oh, she God, got off on other least. people's suffering because that is a terrible thing to do. I mean, arsenic seems arsenic poisoning seems like it's very painful. Absolutely. Um, like you want to talk about stomach pains and and just nausea and vomiting and just misery like that's definitely yeah that's no the fun. worst way to go it's the worst way probably for your body to shut down slowly it's just inflammation right. of all of your organs until they just stop working basically what it seems like yeah mm. so um following up now the police decide to follow up on the letter sent by Audrey's brother um, police received a copy of her former husband's medical records as well. They're now going to look into her husband's death, which was initially, you know, reported as, uh, the, the hepatitis. Um, but now they're, they're starting to wonder whether she, he had been poisoned as well. Police right. would now ask to talk extensively to family members and unpack the four year period between Frank's death and now, which was a four year period following Frank's death. And now her daughter ending up in the hospital with signs of poisoning, um, having found out that she had been poisoning her daughter, they and and most likely her deceased husband, they start talking to family members and kind of filling in this four-year period. So following Frank's death, Audrey had begun spending. Obviously, she got these insurance payouts for herself. She bought a car, clothes, and jewelry. Her mother, Lucille, got a diamond ring. Her son, Mike, and his wife, Terry, received appliances and clothes, while Carol Hilly got a stereo, uh, furniture, and countless other gifts. Still, of course, Audrey was dissatisfied. She complained to several people that no one in her family loved her, least of all Carol. Well, you can't Aww. buy love. You know, it's like she thought she could basically just hand out all these gifts right. after her, you know, insurance payout from her husband's death. Right. You can and buy people they would some, all love her more, but a little bit of jewelry and a toaster, and all of a sudden they're gonna love you. Yeah, right. Oh man. Um, she was constantly engaged in battles with her daughter Carol. Seemed like almost throughout her life. Yeah. Carol seemed like such a nice, sweet woman. Like she I saw her interviewed. We'll talk a little bit more about that. Um in like current day right. interviewed. She's an older woman now. Mm-hmm. Um and she talked a lot about her childhood and she talked about how she her and her dad were like just two peas in a pod. They were so similar. They um he just loved football. Was obsessed. I forget what college it was. He was obsessed with this college football team. Yeah. And they would watch the games together. And she said that she would give up anything, her everything she owns, to go to one game with him again. Dude, he was probably. And as for her mother, she said that her mother was always a cold woman that she never really clicked with. And it seemed like they constantly fought. Oh, wow. But talking about the football college, probably Alabama or Auburn, right? It might have been Auburn. Yeah, it's probably might Auburn. Because I grew up in Alabama. So had to be one of the two. I mean,. That's like that's like being from the Carolinas and not being a Duke or a Tar Heel fan. Like you got to pick one, right. bro. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, um, meanwhile, Audrey still not not satisfied in life. She complained about her boss, about her job, and about a string of petty thefts at her home, and said that she be, that these began before Frank's death. Mm-hmm. Audrey gathered her family about her 
in this time. Lucille had been diagnosed with cancer soon after Frank died, and Audrey brought her into her home to take care of her. So she's trying to get everyone in her family that's left to come live with her. Of course. So that she can poison them, basically. And take out insurance policies on them. Yeah. Exactly. Isn't that convenient? Yeah. If they all live with me, then I can keep them in my control, poison them. That's right. Claim them on my taxes. Policies. All that good shit. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Gosh. Corrupt. So she, she also extends an invitation to her son, Mike, and his wife, Terry, for them to live with her. Um, oh. He and Terry accepted, uh, oh, but soon no. regretted their decision. I was about to say, I would have to politely decline. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. We're doing fine over here, alive. Right. <clears throat> um, so they, they, come, they move in with her, and they immediately regret it. Audrey and her daughter, Carol, fought constantly um, while they were living there, and her mother's demands for this time and attention wore Mike down. On top of that, Terry was often ill with stomach trouble while living under Audrey's house, uh, under her roof. During this time, she and Mike lived with Audrey. Terry was in the hospital four different times and had a miscarriage. Jesus. So that you could count oh. essentially as another murder or at least manslaughter. She she killed that budding child, you know, that baby that was in Terry's belly. That was going to be her grandchild, and she killed it by poisoning her. No doubt. No doubt she was extremely jealous of Terry, I'm sure, being her daughter-in-law. Mm-hmm. I'm sure she was jealous of the affection that you know her son gave his wife. I mm-hmm. mean, imagine that. But, God forbid. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's just oh, just the, I don't understand why all those people wanted to come live with her, knowing how cold she was. I guess they still. She probably was really good at turning on that charm and making people sympathize with her. She had to mm-hmm. be because over and over again, like these people had to realize. You know, I don't know what's going on over at Audrey's house, but every time we go over there, like, people get sick. Like, I don't know what's going on with her. Like, she's a toxic person. If anything, I would think, like, maybe just the mental stability of her and being in that house, the stress levels in that place are are not good for me. You know what I'm saying? Even if I don't have any knowledge of poisoning or arsenic or any of this, I still Mm -hmm. feel like that's that's just bad vibes, man. You got to stay away from Audrey in this. Yeah, she did seem to be very manipulative, and she she was able to put on she had to that, be right that Southern Belle type of uh, mentality. You kept hearing that in like the little documentaries we watched and stuff. Yeah, poor little old me, come li- come help yeah. me out. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Let me come over. Let me cook you a meal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. What's up, creepers? Well, it's that time of year again. Valentine's Day is upon us. Luckily for you, we have a new sponsor, Anna Louisa. They offer beautiful jewelry of exceptional quality at a fair price, and they are 100% carbon neutral. How can you get any better? You get a beautiful piece of jewelry, and you're not harming the planet in the process. They offset 100% of their carbon emissions, starting with the sourcing of their raw materials all the way to the disposal of the pieces. Everything is in limited batches, ensuring the highest production standards while eliminating excessive waste. The, The prices of the jewelry start at just $39 with no luxury markup. The long-lasting pieces are crafted with care from the best noble metals, and they offer a 365-day warranty to replace or refund any piece that doesn't meet your expectations. I actually already ordered my wife a necklace off of AnnaLuisa.com. It's called the Mish. It's 14-karat gold-plated with a green adventure in stone. I received it. I can't wait to give it to her. It feels so high quality, and she's going to love the fact that it's carbon neutral. You get a beautiful piece of jewelry, and you're not harming the planet in the process. That's right, Lauren. And all you guys got to do is go to the link in our description... Or go to www.analuisa.com slash creeper. Treat yourself and your loved ones with a unique gift 
and use our code CREEPER, C-R-E-E-P-E-R, to get 10% off. So go check out A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A dot com slash CREEPER. And make sure to use the code CREEPER to get 10% off your entire purchase. Um, so her son and his wife would find an apartment um, when they'd finally had enough. But the night before they were set to move out, Audrey's house caught on fire. Coincidentally. Oh, God. Here we go. So once again, they're forced to stay living with her. Um, so Audrey, Lucille, and Carol moved into the new apartment. You imagine you finally, get, you know, like, oh, we're getting out of my mom's house again. You know, I can't wait. We got our apartment. You know, we're, we're out of here. Yeah. It's our last night. And then <laughs> your mom's house burns down, and she's, she's like, got to come move into your new like, apartment news, with you. I'm coming too. <laughs> right. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, and then yeah. it's like, you can't deny her, right? Because she just opened up her house to you. And then right. now you're going to say, no, you can't live with me when you need help. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Yeah, your hands are tied, man. Your hands are tied. And I get these odds. These odds are even more amazing. So when the time came for Audrey to finally move back home, the apartment next door to Mike and Terry's caught fire, forcing oh, them to move back in with Audrey. No way. Man, these fires are just so timely. God, these fires. It's amazing. Absolutely. Amazing. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what are the chances, right? What yep. are the chances? And I'm sure there were... A few insert insurance claims made on these fires as well. Well, obviously not mm-hmm. the apartment next door. So she set, she just set somebody's fi- uh, apartment on fire. Yeah, right. Just so that she could keep her son living with her, just so she could poison him. Person? She's such even, a monster. It's unbelievable. She is like who's you don't know who's in there. What if them people had kids? They could have a baby asleep in there. It's, it's an and it's an apartment building, dude. Like right. the, who's the who's the thing? The whole the whole building the whole, isn't going to go down. The whole fucking like usually, with one apartment burns, the whole building goes right. That's exactly right. I mean, that fire could have spread, killed tons of people, and destroyed tons of property, and she don't yep. give a fuck. Yep. Oh, so selfish. Yeah, so when, when her son and daughter-in-law finally succeeded in moving away from her, a strange new series of events began. Lucille, Lucille Frazier, Audrey's mother, would die in January of 1977, and most likely with some help from her daughter's cocktails. Oh, you and, think? Uh, <laughs> a bit of that arsenic. No doubt. Did she have an insurance policy? Because if she did, I guarantee you how she died. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. So in the following months, the Aniston Police Department became increasingly familiar with Audrey Hilly. The petty thefts had continued, she had told police. And in the late 1970s, Audrey repeatedly uh, complained to police about prowlers and threatening phone calls, always greeting patrolmen with fresh pots of coffee when they arrived at her home. Oh, yeah. At least two of those officers later complained of severe stomach cramps and nausea after drinking the coffee, and Audrey was later linked with chronic, unexplained illness of various neighborhood children who played with her daughter around Hilly's home. So the, wow. the children being poisoned, children. I somewhat understand because she was controlling over her children and she didn't want other people taking attention from her. Uh, Wait. What do you mean? You understand her motives for poisoning? Yes, I'm not saying I would. I'm not saying it's like acceptable. I'm just saying I, I, from the understanding her and Mm -hmm. what a psycho she is and how controlling she is, like these kids taking time away from her attention with her kids or whatever. Maybe she'd want to get rid of them. Yes, I got you. The police thing, I don't understand. Like you're calling the police to come investigate all these different things you keep calling on, and then you poison them. I don't understand that at all. I don't get that either. Maybe she maybe she just wants them to take her serious and to take her calls and her, you know, 
all of that stuff serious, but she doesn't want them to really look into her, and she doesn't want them, well, at least I thought at first that she doesn't really want them to enjoy being around her. Does that make sense? I think she mm-hmm. almost wanted the cops to be like, oh, God, here we go. It's Audrey again. It's your turn. Rock, paper, scissors. Who's going to go talk to her? You know what I mean? I think she kind of right. wanted that vibe at first, and then as the cops kept coming and pressure kept mounting, she took a different approach, and she got a little friendly with one of the officers. Did she not? Yeah. So <laughs> an officer named Billy Atherton even fell for the troubled but charming widow, and the two began a sexual relationship. Oh, I think maybe trouble. that was what she was calling them for all along. Oh, all, maybe. All these stupid complaints about prowlers and whatnot. Oh, you think maybe she had a thing for Officer Atherton here? Well, she was just trying to hook up with him, I think. <laughs> More drama, okay. you know. Those cops got great life insurance policies. If she could get with one of them, get them, get uh, one of them to marry her, she could get a huge payout from the police department and stuff. If she, oh, I she see. Got, she's, she killed one of them, especially if the she poisoned him and then he happened to die at work. That's a big payout. Ooh, seriously, wow, she's playing the long game here. I see. <laughs> so, um, so now Audrey during this time with Carol in tow, her young daughter. Um, they moved in with Mike and Terry yet again. Can you imagine? Just like your mom just oh, keeps God. moving in with you over and over again, and like things are burning down around you. Your wife's getting sick every time she's near you. Um, oh, yeah. Can you imagine but what yet again, Terry must feel like? Terry's got to oh be like, God, that right? woman makes me physically sick to be around her. Please stop bringing right. her. <laughs> <laughs> Fire and destruction follow her everywhere she goes. I feel like I've said that about people before, and I'm pretty sure my wife has as well. There's just certain people in your life. It's just like when you're around them, you're like, no, that person is just so toxic. It's just they they have nothing good going on in their life. They have nothing to offer us. And you know, Terry must have felt that way, right? And then Mike was like, but she's my mom. (laughs) Yeah. You're you're over-exaggerating. And in reality, she was so not over-exaggerating. Wow. Yeah, so Audrey and Carol move in with Mike and Terry. They are now living in Pompano Beach, Florida. It was 1978, and Carol had just graduated from high school. Audrey, while in Florida, got an office job and returned home late most nights, but her nervous presence uh, presence and well-established spending habits made life difficult in the hilly home. Upon her arrival in Pompano Beach, she had run up $600 worth of charges on Mike's Visa card, saying she would reimburse him later. Of course, she didn't. She and Carol still fought, and though Audrey occasionally helped out with household chores and with Mike and Terry's new baby, they were relieved when she and Carol moved back to Aniston a few months later. Fucking, I'm relieved too because they have a oh, baby now. You I imagine? Know. It wouldn't take much arsenic to kill a little baby. No. And I would not put it past her at all if that baby Hell was taking no. attention away from her. She would kill that thing in a heartbeat. Well, I'm thinking like if she just had to watch the baby and maybe she had a rough couple hours, maybe the baby wouldn't stop crying. Right? Slip a little uh, arsenic in the milk. My yeah, God. Yeah. I wouldn't put it past her at all. I mean, she, like you said, she potentially already killed one in the womb. And I guess right. didn't even flinch at that. So yeah. she don't care. Yeah, so uh, she would move back. Audrey would move back to uh, Alabama with her daughter, Carol. And that's when Carol got her own apartment and the poisoning began. That was where we kind of began the case with, you know, the series of hospital visits and whatnot. So now we go back to October 1979. The police now, after investigating and finding out all this information, um, they know a lot more now. And Audrey, still being in custody for passing bad checks, would, was brought in and questioned about her husband's death four years prior. She, of course, denied any involvement and even signed a police request giving approval to have Frank's body exhumed and tested for arsenic. Ballsy. 
Ballsy move. She's calling their bluff there. Yes, she is. She's like, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, you're actually doing it? Oh, okay. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> right. go ahead. Fuck. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, he's already dug up. He already has arsenic. Oh, okay. Well, right. <laughs> so um, Audrey also admitted to having given her daughter shots and pills while she was in the hospital, but she claimed that she had given them, uh, she'd been giving, given the shots and pills by a nurse at a prior hospital that they had been at. Mm-hmm. She gave a description and a name for this nurse and the hospital that, the, that she allegedly worked at. And police, of course, called the hospital, asked around, and found out that there was no nurse with that name or description that worked at that hospital. She was caught in another lie. Yeah. A week later, Frank Hilly's body was exhumed. Hair and nail samples from Frank's body were taken for testing. And, of course, that would take a little while. But meanwhile, the results from Carol's tests came in. The analysis showed abnormal levels of arsenic along the length of the hair, demonstrating long-term exposure to the poison. The portion closest to her scalp had 35 times the amount further away from her scalp, showing that she had been exposed to much higher levels recently. Wow. Then while on the morning the of hospital. October... You realize that? She's giving her Yeah, she was giving it to levels. her while she was in the hospital, no doubt. That was in the shots oh that she was God. giving her. Oh, my God. So ballsy about that lie, too, about the nurse. She's almost delusional at this point. I feel like she's been right. doing this so long, she really feels like there's no way she could get caught. She's mm-hmm. just she's literally just making shit up. Yeah, some nurse gave it to me. I don't know, Samantha. There's no Samantha that works there. Well, I don't know. She gave it to me. It's like right. I don't get it, man. She's just, she didn't even put any effort. You're in the hospital every day. You can't read a fucking name tag. Like she's probably thinking, okay, all I got to do is just poison these cops that are investigating me now. Just keep poisoning anybody <laughs> keep that gets close to catching everybody. me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, now I just got to get this person dead. So now they're person- onto her. They ain't taking no fucking drinks from this bitch. Hell no. <laughs> Shit, they ain't even taking a testimony from this bitch anymore. They can't trust nothing. Right. Can't trust nothing, she says, or does. So then on the morning of October 8th, 1979, police received a note from Carol's Aunt Frida, along with a prescription bottle containing a clear liquid. Mm. So she had found her her sister-in-law, Frida, had found a bottle inside her jewelry box. It was a prescription pill bottle, but it had like a clear liquid in the bottom of it. The liquid was tested by police and quickly identified as arsenic. It only took 30 minutes for them to, to determine it was arsenic in it. Wow. A similar bottle was already in police custody. They had found a prescription bottle just like that on her when they first arrested her at the hospital for passing bad checks. Yeah. Uh, but they thought it was empty. It didn't have any pills in it, so they didn't think much of it. They just kept it in um, evidence lockup. But when they took, took it and looked at it for further inspection, they did see a liquid in the bottom. They tested that, and once again, arsenic. Mm. So, pretty damn. The next day, uh, the next day after this discovery, Audrey Hilly was uh, was served warrants charging her with an attempted murder for the poisoning of her daughter, as well as further war- warrants for more check fraud. They, of course, uh, were planning to charge her with the de- uh, murder of her husband once they got the results in, if it was proved that there was arsenic uh, in him as well. <clears throat> wow. And. Um, on October 25th, 1979, Audrey was indicted for attempted murder on her daughter plus check fraud. Three weeks later, however, this amazed me. This Three weeks crazy. later, she's being held, awaiting trial. She posts bail for $14,000. Yep. This is the Just ama- This is the Southern Bell advantage right here. This is the Bonnie, this is the Bonnie from Bonnie and Clyde uh, treatment right here. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is, yeah. when she stands in front of people, it's just hard to believe that a sweet little Southern girl did all this shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think that's why they don't put the bond as high. That's why they don't, that's why they don't put the, 
the security is high. And what's amazing is that she, the police are pretty damn sure she collected, you know, thirty uh, something thousand dollars in life insurance on her husband's death, and they're pretty sure she killed him. They're just waiting for results on the tests. Right. Uh, and then you set the bond at fourteen thousand. She made more than double that by killing her husband, and you set the bond at fourteen thousand. Right. Well, I doubt she has any left four years later. That's like, let's say I rob a bank and I get, I, I, I make off with a million dollars and then you, you catch me and I still have the money and then you set the bond at 500K. It's like, cool, okay, I'll pay the 500K and then I'll just like run off with the other 500. <laughs> doesn't make any sense to me. It, it I mean, doesn't. I know she already blew through the it, money, but let's yeah. just say she saved the 33000 she got from killing her husband. She could easily pay the $14,000 bond. She still made a profit and now she's out. Granted, just, she still has to face trial and stuff, but she runs off after this, of course. Right, of course, of course. I don't, I don't, I don't understand how you let someone who who is poisoning and killing people. How you even give them the chance? They shouldn't. They, the bail should either be so high, or there should just be no bail even available. People just don't see people who poison people this in the same realm that they see someone who stabs someone to death, or the same realm of someone who shoots someone. They don't see it. I really don't think so. And even and especially in the seventies, I just don't think it was looked at the same. I yeah, just, I guess. I, but... I just don't think it hits. It hits as hard. I think it, in her case, she's a serial poisoner. Like she's just like they now they now know after looking deep, diving into her past, she's been poisoning her son, her daughter-in-law, her husband, her daughter. She's poisoning everyone. Like this is a, a serious risk to let her back out in the public. She's gonna just fucking go poisoning more people. Right. It's obvious. Yeah. Yeah. I would. I would think so. Absolutely. But apparently, <laughs> they thought differently. <clears throat> well, regardless. So she. She gets indicted in October of 1979, and then she posts the $14,000 bond, so she's back on the streets where she registers at a local motel under the name of Emily Stevens. Then sometime between the 9th and 18th of November that year, she disappeared. A note was left indicating that she might have been kidnapped. Um, that was left behind at the hotel, and a missings, report, a missings persons report was filed, and Audrey was also listed as a fugitive. So she's on the run. She posted her bail. She's out of there. Right. On November 19th, there was a break-in at the home of Audrey's aunt. A car, some women's clothing, and an overnight bag were missing from the home. This was clear that it was Audrey breaking right. in to get some supplies to take off no from the area and flee. <clears throat> on that same day, Carrie Hilly died of cancer in Aniston. Tests done on strands of her hair in the previous weeks had indicated elevated arsenic levels. Marie Hilly was now suspected of killing at least four people. So Carrie Hilly was her late husband's mom. So Audrey, now on the run, um, but indictments were handed down in the murder on her husband on January 11th, 1980. This meant pretty much nothing because they didn't have the suspect in custody. They had no idea where she was. Um, she's now on the run and had adopted a new identity and settled down far from Alabama. She became Robbie Hannon and found an eligible bachelor down in Florida Named John that's Homan where, in Fort, Fort Lauderdale. Everybody that is a fugitive in the South goes. They just go to Florida. They're not going that far. I know that's the, that should be the just first place you go look, to right? Florida. Everybody, that's everybody. People in the South really think Florida is amazing. It's funny because like when you when you leave the South, everybody's like, "Oh, look at that shithole Florida over there." It's like <laughs> that's where all the crazy yeah. shit happens. But when you, it's so funny how my perception of Florida changed when I moved out of the Carolinas. When I lived in the Carolinas, it's like Florida. It's beautiful. It's this tropical. It's clear water beaches, and you know, <laughs> everywhere you look, it's just warm weather and sand. And then when you move, you're like, eh, California's way better. It's like <laughs> it's kind of a shithole on that side. 
No, it's not. There's good there's it, good stuff about Florida. I just think it's funny that all fugitives in the South run to Florida at some point in time. It just seems like it's a very diverse state. I mean, it's it a is. big state and like if you're talking North Florida, it seems like it's pretty backwoods. Yes, Tallahassee. Uh, yeah, like it's, it's swampy fucking yeah. alligators and shit. And then if you go real far south, then you get the beautiful beaches and That's all right. that. That's right. It's ironic because the further south you go, the less southern Florida gets. That's what's funny. It's like right. the people from northeast move down to the bottoms, like Miami and, and places, Tampa Bay, places like that to retire. You go further south, it starts getting more cultured. Uh, you see the like Cuban influences yes. and yes. things like that. The, lot, yeah, heavy Hispanic influence, Cuban influence in Miami, obviously. But uh, And, and yeah. I think also fugitives, may, maybe they run there because there is so, many, so much coastline, right? There's plenty of places like, well, if I had to set sail and get the hell out of here, this is the place to go, right? I mean, it's a peninsula. It's e- I guess it's easy yeah. to escape Florida and take off, but I mean, where are you going to go? But I don't know. I guess that would be in the back of my mind if I was a fugitive. I don't know. I just thought that was funny. Definitely, I just thought that was funny to bring up. <clears throat> well, also, if you if you're if you if you're on the run and you know if you get caught, you're going to prison for the rest of your life. Not a bad place to spend the days. If you assume you're going to get caught at some point, it's like, well, at least I'm going to go to the beach and party until I get caught. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's going to be nice and warm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, so yeah, she, she moves to Fort Lauderdale where she meets John Homan and they live together for a little over a year and he knows her as Robbie Hannon. He does not know about her past. You know, she's made up a, a, a you know, a fictional, um, story for her right. past and they would end up getting married in May of 1981. She often talked to him about this twin sister that she had, that she had made up named Terry who lived in Texas. Mm-hmm. And um, after their marriage, they would move to Marlow, New Hampshire. So all the way from Florida to New Hampshire. Not sure what brought that on or why they decided on New Hampshire. I don't know either. Maybe that's a good place to hide out from her perspective. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Who knows? Or maybe Robbie um, however, was from late, there, you know? You don't never know. Maybe he had family there. Maybe, yeah. Maybe he had a connection or a job there waiting yeah. for him. I don't know. Or John, rather. Um, she, of course, was not satisfied. Once again, she was ready to move on on something new. And late in the summer of 1982, she left New Hampshire telling her husband that she needed to attend to family business and see some doctors about an illness. So she's starting this story here. Here we go. During the time that she traveled, um, she made it to Texas and Florida using the alias Terry Martin, which was her fictional twin sister. Um, During the trip... As the as Terry Martin, she called John Homan and, inform, and informed him that Robbie Homan, his wife, had died in Texas, but there was no need for him to come to Texas because the body had already been donated to medical How science. And I'm sure yeah. when your wife so dies, he gets a call you from just let his... that go. You just take that as an explanation, and you just let it roll, right? That's what you would do. <laughs> right? <laughs> I, just, I don't get why this dude... Like, this dude is real fucking gullible. Like, I'm sorry. This, this, he'll believe anything, or he's just smitten by her, right? What the hell? Yes. Uh, how? How do you believe this? How do you believe this bullshit? A twin sister, and then she happens to go. As soon as she goes and visits the twin sister, one of them dies. Come on! Oh my god! <laughs> like, have you just have you it, never yeah, seen a it's movie? It's pretty bad. <laughs> like, what the right? Fuck? Yeah, it's it pretty is bad. really bad. Maybe he just didn't care. Maybe he liked a uh, you know a, a woman that lived a little on the wild side. That's what little, I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. He was just that smitten by her. Maybe she just had him under her thumb. He just believed everything she said. I don't know. Yeah, maybe he looked at it as like role playing. Okay, you, oh. you you moved and now you're coming back oh, as your twin Terry sister now. and you'll you'll have a different yeah, look. That'll be this fun. Is cool, Terry. I can get into this. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so yeah, um, he gets this call from his his wife that he's only known for a little over a year, right. uh, her twin sister that he's never met, and she's telling him that his wife had died and no need for that. But over the phone, they get to know each other, and he he's he's digging his uh, now deceased wife's twin sister here. Um, and he expressed interest in meeting her. <laughs> she agreed, saying that she needed to put Robbie's death behind them. Oh, my God. <laughs> God, this woman's psycho. She is. It's insane. Oh, my God. <laughs> she's, grieving her, she's grieving her fictional uh, sister's death, as, but, but the sister was a person she had made up in the first... It was all, dude. It's it is. Nuts. It's insane. <clears throat> Who would believe this? It's insane. So in November of 1983, after changing her hair color, losing weight, she returned to New Hampshire and met John Homan, posing as Terry Martin, his deceased wife's sister. An obituary, she even went as far as to make an obituary for the person that she had made up. Um, an obituary for Robbie Homan appeared in New Hampshire in a New Hampshire newspaper, but aroused suspicion when police were unable to verify any of the information it contained. Oh, John Homan's co-workers also had suspicions about his new, quote, sister-in-law, and were concerned fraud may have been at play. So they weren't as dumb as, as he was in regards to... Oh. They're like, dude, don't you think this is a little too convenient? Yeah. She says she's feeling ill. She moves away for a little while and then comes back as her twin sister. And they, Yeah, but you know how it is but, when, when you're the guy that's in the relationship. He was probably, oh, you guys are just jealous, whatever. Mind your own fucking business. Like, <laughs> right. You know, what do your friends know when they're on the outside? But typically, your yeah. good friends, your close friends, they, they see that shit for what it is. They do. Mm -hmm. Sometimes. Sometimes you don't know what people got going on. The police on. didn't. Police weren't buying it. Oh, no kidding? <laughs> so a, a New Hampshire state police detective surmised that the woman living as Terry Martin was, in fact, Robbie Homan and had staged her death. No shit. He Wrong on that. You know, you're, you're on to something, but you still haven't really gotten to the root of this right. whole thing you're the yet. First, you're past the first layer of the onion. You're almost there. Yeah, exactly. There's a few <laughs> more layers. Um, the concerned co-workers and Homan's boss also discovered that the Medical Research Institute of Texas, where Robbie's body was handed over for study, supposedly yeah. was non-existent oh. and was also was the church that eulogized uh, eulogized her what? death. Again. So the whole thing, everything about it was Again, bullshit. why not do a little bit of research and find a real institute and find a real church? You're in Texas. There's literally a church on every fucking corner. Just drive a little bit. Oh, there's one. Let's let's pick that one. At least you have a real church. It's like she put no effort right. into these lies. I mean, I'm not mad. I'm glad she got caught. I'm just... I'm sure she uh, was just assuming that people wouldn't follow up on the lies or she was hoping for that. Well, obviously. But, I mean, at this point, you're a fugitive. I, I feel like you, if you're really trying to make a go with this second life, you need to have your damn eyes dotted and your teeth crossed. But... You know what I think the problem is? Is that it was, the, it was this New Hampshire town where they have nothing better going on. And so, like, they all got, it seemed like the whole town, the police, everybody got wrapped up in this ah. this, uh, this, this mystery that That's was, right. like, this woman who disappears and then comes back as her sister. If, this, if she had done this in Florida or Texas where there's a bunch of shit going on, no one would have even cared or noticed. That's a good point. You know, but, like, this little town in New Hampshire is like, this is... This is interesting. Yeah. Let's dive <laughs> right. into this. Right. That's a great point. Because in Florida, you know, Florida is such a transient state. Large parts of it, there's just people yeah. coming in and going out all the time. So you're right. Pe oh, another person assuming a fake identity? Yeah. Well, that's par for the course right. in Florida. Right, it's Florida. That's what we do here. What happens in Florida stays in Florida, right? It's, it's the Vegas of the East Coast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know, man. It's just, it's crazy the shit that, that she passed off and as... I'm just impressed, honestly, 
uh, with the lies that she told, how long she lasted as a free woman. It's pretty, it's pretty yep. incredible. Yeah. So while Homan's workplace was audited and no, no, embezzled, uh, no embezzlement found, authorities still believe that Terry Martin was wanted on outstanding charges in, a, in some other state. In the meantime, Terry, quote-unquote Terry, <laughs> had taken a secretarial job in nearby Battle, Brattleboro, Borough, uh, Vermont, and was arrested. While being interrogated by Vermont State Troopers, she confessed that she was wanted in Alabama on bad check charges, and a true name, and her true name was Audrey Hilly. Cool. So they she told some of the they, truth. I actually saw an interview with these state troopers when they approached her. She was like, "You're right. I'm not who I say I am. Take me in, and I'll tell you who I am." And she really didn't need to give all that up because they were not on to her real identity from back in Alabama, the woman that had you know, attempted to kill her daughter and had already killed her husband. <laughs> I agree. I think if she keeps if she keeps her true identity quiet, I think she rides this out a little longer. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, how long yeah, how long are you going to last in police custody, though, with a fake identity? It's like you have no ID, you have no passport, you have no birth certificate, you have no nothing, no social security card to confirm who you are, you know? So, I mm-hmm. mean, how long is she yeah, really... Yeah, they're going to end up having to do fingerprints or precisely and her fingerprints are going to come back because she's already been arrested so i mean at this point i guess you you just go ahead and confess at least at least some of it you know she she brought up this this check charges but she didn't want to bring up the uh the old murder just yet didn't want to drop the m-bomb on them so contact with alabama state police confirmed that she was in fact who she was telling them she was audrey hilly and she was also wanted for far more serious charges than what they initially suspected. She was promptly extradited to Alabama to stand trial uh, for what she had been uh, indicted on long ago, but never was around to deal mm-hmm. with. Um, authorities brought back Audrey to Aniston on January 19th, 1983. By now, another judge had been added, uh, or another charge had been added, which was the murder of Frank Hilly because they had gotten the results back, and of course he did have arsenic in his in his system. Um, Audrey's bond this time was set at $320,000, a proper amount she's not going to be able to come up with, because that's uh, 1983, $320,000 is probably the equivalent of like a million dollars now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was, see, they weren't coming um, up with that. Yeah, and she had burned too many bridges. No one was stepping up to pay it, even if they could at this point. Right. Carol Hilly, her daughter, now physically recovered from her ordeal. She talked a lot in, um, in the Oxygen series Snapped. Yes, I saw that. Um, she talked a lot about this, um, about her recovery and what it entailed. I mean, she she had to do an extensive therapy to gain her ability to walk back, but she worked really hard at it, and it was pretty impressive. Mm, the human body is amazing, isn't it? What it can recover from. I mean, sometimes I'm amazed at the little, at the the slight, things that people die from, you know, just the freak accidents that people die from. But I'm constantly amazed at the way that people can can come back and recover. Something like this. She couldn't even walk. You know, she probably couldn't eat anything. She had probably multiple organs failing. And she makes a full recovery. Like, that's that's incredible. I mean, it helps when you stop getting poisoned by arsenic. But, I mean, even so, for your body to recover that much is pretty impressive. Yeah, and once Carol learned about what her mother truly was and actually believed that her mother had been poisoning her. It must have been empowering to go uh, visit her in jail and, and in a way be like, look, after all that you did to me, I'm still <laughs> intact and I'm I've st- recovered. And That's um, right. I'm still here, bitch. I got the last laugh. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah. you know, they fought all the time. Mm-hmm. So, 
But it still had to have been. She such still had a conflicting feelings because it was her mother. Oh yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah. You think like family? Family has to love you, right? I mean, that's kind of what a lot of people are told. They're like, oh, that's, you know, that's your family, that's your brother, your sister, your mom, your dad. You have to love them. They have to love you, and that's not the case. Yeah, it's really not the case. Yeah, and so when Carol went to visit her in jail, Audrey cried and hugged her and professed to love her. She said she missed her terribly. Um, she claimed, however, um, but she had no ex- uh, offering or explanation for the poisoning that she had done to her daughter. Um, of in, a, not. in an interview with uh, Oxygen series Snapped, um, she she talked all about this, all about her recovery. She seemed, as I mentioned, to be a very sweet woman. And unfortunately, the uh, the d- defense for um, Audrey Hilly in the trial tried to portray. Carol, uh, in a, in like a, they tried to tear down her character because she was a lesbian, and they tried to act like that, oh, like that, oh. for some reason means that her testimony means less, you know, or something. It was like she basically openly yeah. admitted, like, yeah, I'm a lesbian. What is that? What's what does that, have, does to that do have to do with anything? Whether my mom poisoned me or not, <laughs> like, right, right. Oh, now she has a reason to poison me because right. I'm a lesbian. Right. Yeah, I would love to hear that reasoning. Mm-hmm. I would love to hear that. That's interesting. Yeah, so wow, she would end that. up testifying against her mother and helping to get her mother convicted. Good. I mean, that's that's sweet justice right there. That really helps. That really helps a victim of a crime move on. You know, it's got to be. I don't know personally, but it's got to be almost impossible to move on and get over something when someone has wronged you in a way and they never paid for it. Maybe they died before they were brought to justice, or maybe they were tried and. And you know, set free. Yeah. But in this case, I feel like this helps. This helps Carol move on, right? She saw a, a bad thing happen. She made it out, and also she's seen justice served. So mm-hmm. she was kind of lucky in that way. There's a lot of there's a lot of victims that don't they don't have that that privilege. They have to live the rest of their life thinking that person never never paid for what they did to me. But Carol Carol had that luxury. She got to see her mom pay for that. Yeah, definitely. So Audrey would be quickly convicted and sentenced to life in prison for her husband's murder and 20 years for attempting to kill her daughter. Her trial opened in Anniston four months later, and Hilly was convicted on two counts, receiving a life term for the murder of her husband, Frank Hilly, plus 20 years for the attempted murder of her daughter. Um, Audrey Marie Hilly Homan began serving her sentence in 1983 at Tutwiler Women's Institute, a medium security prison. What's incredible is that she would uh, find her way out again. Her clerical career had gotten her often assigned to doing paperwork, and she was considered a quiet model prisoner. This -hmm. good behavior earned her one-day passes from the prison, all of which she returned on schedule. However, in February of 1987, she was given a three-day pass to visit her husband, John Homan, who had stuck by her through all of this, by the way, even after learning that her identity of her and her twin sister that he had relationship with both of were both fake. And uh, he stuck by her, and um, God damn it, she got a three-day pass to visit him. And he had moved to Aniston to be near her while she was in prison. What a sucker, dude! This guy, God damn sucker! He's probably he just wasn't her, a fool. He wasn't while she's in prison. He wasn't fooled by all of this. I think he was just into it. You know, that's the only thing I can believe. He was just into it. The, the, the craziness of it. Well, yeah. I mean, you can't be fooled. You can't deny it anymore. I mean, right. it's a done deal. You know her real name now. But I guess he's thinking, well, well, my last name's still at the end, so 
Yep. <laughs> it's at the end of all her other last names. So, right. thought she was with me last. <laughs> That's true. So, they spent the day at an Aniston motel, and when Homan left for a few hours, she disappeared, leaving behind a note for Homan asking for his forgiveness. Homan promptly alerted police. I think that was maybe planned. She, you know, she's like, I'm going to run off. I don't want you mm-hmm. getting in trouble for helping me, so this right. is how it's going to go down. You call the police after I'm gone. That way it looks like you're innocent. Um, yep. Her escape prompted an inquiry into Alabama's furlough policy. This time, she wasn't missing for long, however. Four days after Audrey vanished from the motel, she had been apparently crawling around in the woods. Her body was drenched by four days of frequent rain, and it was also feeling numb after being exposed to temperatures for which were dropping below the, thir- uh, the low 30s. So she she's yeah. freezing, walking around drenched, and she ends up stumbling stumbling onto the porch of a house owned by an Aniston woman who ironically had known Audrey from elementary school. So some girl she went to school with way back who didn't recognize her, you know, this woman uh-huh. who staggered onto her porch soaking wet one day. Right. Fucking shit, like probably 40 years, 50 years after they were in elementary school together. <laughs> so no, right? I good know. luck recognizing them. Especially um, in the state Audrey must be in at this point. Yeah. Right? Oh, my God. Um, it was likely like Audrey person. had sought help from her school friend, but the woman failed to recognize her after not seeing Marie in years and in a haggard state. She alerted police, believing that it would to be a transient woman in need of immediate help. Aniston police, in turn, summoned paramedics. She was taken to a local hospital and underwent emergency treatment for hypothermia. However, while she was being transported to the hospital, she suffered a heart attack and died on February 26, 1987. And Listen, that concludes. Man. Well, that's justice, Audrey served, Marie Hilly, in my opinion, I guess. But yeah, I didn't. She wasn't going to survive long, man. In February, out in the woods, especially in a rainy period. Uh, uh-uh, uh, not going to happen. That's yeah. I, I can't believe she didn't have some other plan. It's like you had. You had all these different visits where you went out. This, this is what I'm saying. She's not She's not that smart. She's just not smart. She's just selfish, right? She's not very calculated. Because you, you had all these other one-day uh, furloughs all this time where you were going out and returning, going out and returning, you know, gaining trust, making them feel like they can trust you, whatnot. But you, you weren't putting forth any type of plan. You didn't have no one else to go to. Your plan was to go to someone you house who you went to elementary school with or maybe that wasn't even the plan maybe that just happened i'm thinking that just happened right that she was just probably happened. that was a last yeah. ditch effort she was freezing her ass off yeah she was probably in the woods and she saw this woman come out on her back porch or whatever and she was like oh wow i know her let me see if she'll help me yeah i mean but, but you yeah, know she she's gonna call the sitting around in prison you would think she would have planned this out better she's getting these one That's day furloughs she knows she can get it extended to three days and you got to have a plan for that three-day furlough, if you know you're going to run, you got to set some shit up. You got your your husband who has been behind you through all of this shit. Right. Um, who, who you you think you could have gotten him to bring an extra car for you and have it parked at the hotel so you could flee something along those lines. Or at least lines. some cash. At least some cash, some cash so you could take yeah. a bus. I mean, you couldn't even take a bus. Like that's why I think maybe the husband wasn't in on it, Lauren. Yeah, maybe apparently he not. really didn't know because he, I feel like if I would, well, I don't know. Then if he gave her money, then that's proof, right? It's like, well, where did she get the money from? Mm-hmm. So maybe that's proof. But don't give her money. Leave it somewhere. Be like, hey, yeah, the money is you know off this road. 
you know, back in the woods right here, 30, 30 steps, 30 kilometers this way, this way uh, behind a rock. I don't know. There's, there's lots of ways to leave money for somebody and to help people out if you just planned it. Not that I wanted them to succeed. I'm just, I just don't get it, man. The whole story, there's just so many questions. I feel like she was just flying by the seat of her pants. Yeah. Just taking what she wanted and living it up, man. She's a sociopath. I have so many questions for John Homan. Like, after finding out so many the truth about this woman <laughs> that you had married and her true yeah. identity, how she had poisoned all of her family members back in Alabama, mm-hmm. how do you continue to see this woman? <laughs> like, how? Like, that's just to me, that's just so scary. You, if you poison one person, I'm never talking to you again. Like, fuck it. I'll that, never I'm, take I'm not getting near you. you. I won't, I won't be within the same town as you if you poisoned someone. I don't want, like, yeah, because I just know I'm going to be next. That's right. That's right. I don't want to give you any opportunity. I'm never taking anything you give me. No drinks, no food, shit, nothing. Yep. I ain't borrowing no tools from you. Right. Nothing. I don't want to touch anything you've been around. <laughs> she could put that poison on a fucking doorknob, and next thing you right. know. I don't so. care if you got Oh My Gaia deodorant. I'm still not borrowing it from you. I'm not That's wearing right. it. That's right. Even though they have no metal in Oh My Gaia, but she, I bet her Oh My Gaia probably does. She probably put it in there. She probably... <laughs> That'd be such Dang. an oxymoron, you know. Oh my Gaia with poisoning yeah. because it's it's totally it's all the natural deodorant and paraben, paraben and aluminum free. That's right. It's an innovative all natural deodorant fragrance and beard oil company specializing in paraben and aluminum free products, to be exact, Lauren. And their innovative line of deodorants inhibit the growth of odor causing bacteria while maintaining effectiveness. At Oh My Gaia, they use only all natural paraben and aluminum free organic ingredients. And guys, there's tons of scents to choose from. Unfortunately, arsenic is not one of them. But you can get <laughs> vanilla, cherry almond, sandalwood, lavender, lemongrass, Egyptian musk, one of my favorites I'm wearing today, uh, coconut, dreamsicle, leather, lumberjack, honeysuckle, fireside. And we have our very own scent called True Crime Pine. It has our, uh, has our mugs on there, our old mug shots from the original True Crime Guys logo. And it was a scent that was made just for us from Oh My Gaia. And guys... Because you are True Crime Guys listeners, you can use the word creeper for 15% off your order if you order at ohmygaia.com, O-H-M-Y-G-A-I-A.com, or at shop underscore ohmygaia on Instagram. And give them a follow as well. If you're on the fence, go check them out on Instagram. Again, that's at shop underscore ohmygaia on Instagram. Guys, you won't regret it. Yeah, do that, and then also go check out our Patreon page. Last week's episode was a Patreon-exclusive only can be heard on Patreon. There are right. some uh, vampires in Kentucky. <laughs> if you're not intrigued, I don't know what to tell yes. you. Yes. Rod Farrell, the Kentucky vampire. Guys, mm-hmm. don't Google it. Just just sign up for Patreon. There you go. Two bucks a month, and you guys can listen to all of our Patreon exclusives, as well as Just the Banter every Friday. Well, if you're a $5 tier or higher, you can listen to Just the Banter every Friday. We just released Just the Banter Volume 15. Guys, we're already at 15. So, guys, look for just the banter on Friday evenings or Saturday morning, because we kind of we got us a schedule now. We record on Friday afternoons, and then the episode will be up ASAP. So look for those episodes now every Friday afternoon, or I mean Friday evening. I'm sorry, or Saturday morning. So that's right. And, Check them out. And that's just a that's just a piece of what we have going on on Patreon. We also have backlogs, tons of episodes, as well as higher thoughts with Michael. Uh, I call it the first season because I, I might bring that back. I don't know. I've been thinking about it. You guys let me know what you think, uh, people who are patrons already. Uh, if you're interested in something like that, I might bring season two of Higher Thoughts. I was going to say, season two. Some, Definitely. Just doing yeah. seasons. 
exactly. I got I got some uh, I got more friends and people to be involved that want to be involved in different things here, and I think that's a great way to get get them involved. You know, and it's a great way to bring extra content to you guys. Uh, hopefully, we can introduce some new personalities and and uh, some new content. So I'm looking fun. forward to Sounds this fun. year. <clears throat> Hell yeah! Also, check out our merch, guys. TrueCrimeGuys.threadless.com. Uh, we just released a couple new merch designs recently. One's the uh, the old school retro TV design. I just got my retro TV. I got shirt mine yesterday. Today. Loving it. I mean, yesterday. Yeah, yeah. What color did you get? What color I got get? the coffee brown. Ah, the In coffee the tri brown. Blend Perfect. XL. It's amazing. Oh, Perfect fit. Very nice. Very nice. I'm very happy with mine as well. I got the premium tea in like a mustard yellow, and I love it very much. If it's super comfortable, the design looks great. I'm I'm very happy with it. I had to order one. I just wanted to see what the quality was uh, from Threadless, and honestly, the turnaround was pretty quick as well. So mm-hmm. can't really can't really be too upset with that. So again, that's TrueCrimeGuys.Threadless.com, guys. You can get your own True Crime Guys merch. There is a link to everything that we talk about below the description of this very episode. So if you guys want to check that out. Do it. All right. We got some reviews? Uh, yeah, I got a few reviews here from the last couple of weeks. Uh, I want to thank everybody yeah. for taking the time to go rate and review the podcast. It means a lot. Uh, we got Amber48 and 3 in the U.S. said, y'all are the best, five stars, love from South Carolina. Thank you. Right on. We got Mama J13 in the U.S. said, amazing, five stars, love the show. You guys do a great job keeping this lighthearted but also being serious when need to be. Thank mm-hmm. you for all you do. Thank you. We got uh, Begard, Beggard, Beggard, I guess, uh, in the U.S. said, one of the best. Ignore the turds that don't like the side convo. It's awesome and relatable. People don't like it. They can fast forward through it. That's, oh, yeah. That's what I'm saying. There's yeah, that we fast that forward already. button for a reason, or there's a lot of other podcasts if you don't like our stuff. That's right. There's plenty. Um, and then we got uh, Retiox in the U.S., uh, said my favorite true crime podcast and said that we beat a bunch of the other big ones. I'm not going to name them because that's just rude, but we appreciate right. it. And Thank you know, you if you think we're better than them, that's cool. I mean, a lot of people disagree, but whatever. You guys are awesome. <laughs> Keep on trucking. Right. P.S. Digging the jams said Retiox. So thank you. Right on. Then we got uh, Jackie FY97 or Jack FY97 in the U.S. said great. Uh, the only true crime podcast I listen to now. Much love from North Carolina. We got North Carolina checking hey, in. Hey, hey! All right, and Carolina's the last one coming in big. Yeah, the last one we got Mallory 0319 in the U.S. said climbing up the top of my favorite true crime podcast. You guys crack me up. I love listening to y'all. Keep it up. Five stars, th- three <laughs> fire emojis. Thank you. Right on. Oh, and I feel like a jackass for not mentioning that this was a case suggestion from Tina Purdue. So thank you, Tina. Great suggestion. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hope you enjoyed our take on it. Um, and that about does it. We'll see you guys next week for a freeloader episode. Keep creeping. Keep creeping, guys. True crime, guys. In the desert, we like a mirage. It's okay if you clicked on us because you thought we was true crime garage. Now we ain't mad at you. Sit down, let us talk at you. I'm talking to the creeper army. We out here making murder. Get murder. Get murder. In the desert, we like a mirage. It's okay if you clicked on us because you thought we was true crime garage. Now we ain't mad at you. Sit down, let us talk at you. I'm talking to the creeper army. We out here making murder charming. Yeah.